listeners. Every online podcast says, you know, send us your inquiries, give us your opinions, give us your advice, criticism. What I want you to know is that we got a few. We respond. We actually pay attention. So if you actually spend the time to, to, to contact us, info at I'mthereforyoubaby.com, you can be sure we will read it, understand it, possibly get back to you, but we will not ignore it. On this episode of I'm There For You Baby. Tell me what it does. You know, the goalposts keep moving. When is enough enough? She is a force to be reckoned with. Jamie Beck exemplifies the entrepreneurial spirit in the nonprofit sector. We have helped over 200 human trafficking survivors. Well, wow. How could we end sex trafficking? I identified a need and I said, you know, there's something that I can do to address this. It's a very interesting conundrum, knowing that that's what we really want. Show me the money! I'm There For You Baby is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city. Presented by HiVN. Listeners, the sun is out and welcome to another edition of I'm There For You Baby, the Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm here with my bride, co-host, partner, Miss Bree, and she'll be up in a moment, but I'm going to tell you what's on my mind. It's, a, it's, it's contemplative. So I have, a, as you know, some of you know, I do some CEO coaching and I've had a particular client for three or four years and I love him. He comes in three or four years ago and he says, I have a goal. I want to sell my company for X. I say, okay, that's the goal. Three years pass. He comes in two weeks ago and it's a little bit of magic trick. Take a take a marker, go to the whiteboard, draw some numbers. And sure enough, I prove, I prove to him that he can sell the company for exactly what he wants. And you'd think, since that's what you wanted, that's an epiphany or I should get a bonus. And what happened was he paused. He wasn't so sure. When he got what he said he wanted, he wasn't sure he really wanted it or wanted to take it. And this is a classic for entrepreneurs. They, they are driven, they're innovative, they're creative, and they have a goal and they get there. And then, well, is that enough? Do I, is that, was that really the goal? I mean, I often liken it to if you're a, if you're a football player and you, you, you catch a pass and you run right through the end zone, that's a touchdown, and then you keep right on going out of the stadium. You, 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 you don't know when to stop. So I'm fascinated by the problem of sort of multiple problems. When is enough enough? That's one. But what happens when you get what you want? Can you, can you taste it? Can you absorb it? Can you embrace it? And it really calls into question, is that what you want or wanted? So Barbara, that's what I think I think today. How are you? Uh, Neil, uh, great to be with you this morning. I think the issue you described you know, confronts many of us. The goalposts keep moving. Uh, we think we wanted to sell the company, but you know, if we didn't have the company to go to every day, uh, we might miss it and not feel relevant. So it's a very interesting conundrum for all of us to focus on getting what we really want and knowing that that's what we really want. And uh, that's 
an issue for entrepreneurs. And our show is about entrepreneurship because we believe that today everyone needs to think like an entrepreneur, whether it's in their own business, a large organization, or a nonprofit. Uh, what our guests have in common is they demonstrate the willingness to ask tough questions, to challenge the status quo, and to think in new ways. And our next guest, Jamie Beck, exemplifies the entrepreneurial spirit in the nonprofit sector. Jamie was a successful attorney at a prestigious San Diego law firm. She identified a problem, and then it became her passion to fix it. The result? An organization called Free to Thrive that empowers survivors of human trafficking to be free from exploitation and to thrive by providing them with both legal and other support. Jamie, uh, welcome to I'm There For You, Baby. Thank you, it's great to be here. Look, Jamie, I'm thrilled that you're here today because what we have is a really smart woman who became a lawyer because she wanted to become a lawyer, who was on partner track and wakes up one day and says, you know, that's not what I want. So like, I work, I, I'm, I'm available for coaching, sweetie. I mean, they, you are right on the ramp today. So tell us all how you did <laughs> Free you. to Thrive. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, for a moment there, I did think I was on the partner track. Um, but the reality was uh, I went to law school to help people. That was always my goal. I, and many, you know, I hear so many law students tell me that I, why'd you go to law school? I, I want to help people. I want to have an impact. And that's why I went to law school. I was very fortunate. I had a federal clerkship and that got me this job at this great law firm. And of course I had student loans to pay off. And I, I figured, you know, let me get this experience. I can volunteer my time. I can give back by uh, doing pro bono work and volunteering for nonprofits. And that's what I did. And that was feeding my heart for a while. And then I just, I got really involved in this issue of human trafficking through Lawyers Club of San Diego. I started to learn about it. And, and just as Barbara said in the introduction, I identified a need and I said, you know, there's something that I can do to address this. The, the reality was is that survivors of human trafficking need lawyers to help them uh, move past their exploitation. And so I started getting involved. I tried to do this as a volunteer pro bono attorney and organize other lawyers and realized very quickly that this was a much bigger job than a volunteer job. And that's why I decided to leave my, my law firm job and start this nonprofit. So tell, you know, you took a big risk professionally to leave a, a job with a very secure income, uh, you know, great economic prospects going forward. So what steps did you take to start your nonprofit? How, what were the early days like? You know, it's interesting. It, it felt at the time like I was jumping off a cliff. When I, when I gave notice and I said, I'm quitting my job to start this nonprofit, I really did feel like this, it was this huge risk, but I, there was no question in my mind of whether or not to do it. And the way that I, um, I did it in a safe manner, if you will, is that I didn't just, I, I actually wanted to quit my job for a very long time before I did, but I waited until I actually had funding. I founded the nonprofit a year before I quit my job. I incorporated the organization. I started to look for funding opportunities. I had a, a business plan. I met with people all over the country to learn about models for this work in other places. And it wasn't until I actually had funding to do the work that I quit my job. Well, I admire, I mean, you're obviously uh, very organized uh, and you actually did all the right things in terms of learning about this, you know, the system and your customer 
before you actually started the organization. So I, wait, wait, I, I want, tell me what it does. Yes. We provide legal services and other support to human trafficking survivors. And many people may think, you know, why do survivors of human trafficking need lawyers? Well, a number of reasons. Uh, one of the most important and, and most shocking to people is that human trafficking survivors are often criminalized during their exploitation, meaning that they get arrested for crimes and all kinds of crimes uh, that are related to their trafficking. And prior to starting Free to Thrive, I advocated in the California legislature for a law that would help survivors of human trafficking clear their records. And it was actually the year that this law went into effect, 2017, that I quit my job to start this nonprofit because we now had this amazing way to help survivors and we needed lawyers to actually do the legal work. So that's so wait, one of the areas. So wait, wait, what you're telling me is that I assume mostly uh, human trafficking is women, mostly? Uh, mostly, uh, not exclusively. Okay, so what, ha what you told me was the woman who is being held against her will is then coerced into a criminal act and then when it's finally she gets out, the government still charges her for the criminal act that she was coerced to do, question mark? Yes, although usually the charges happen while they're still being trafficked, but sometimes after as well. You know, and it could be anything. It could be, you know, the most um, common, I guess, in the human trafficking space is prostitution or loitering, uh, but it's, it can be drug charges, it can be theft charges, um, and some really serious charges. We have clients that were charged with domestic violence where their trafficker would abuse them. And then the victim, our client would call the cops and the trafficker would say, she hit me and our client would get arrested and charged and convicted with domestic violence. And they'd be too scared to tell the cops, to tell the prosecution that no, it was actually he who hurt me. Or if they did say something, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be in, in our so, so how do how do the victims of sex trafficking find out about you? Good question. And before I go, I just want to say a couple of the other legal needs because I uh, it's really important that that's one piece, but that's not the whole picture. So another piece is family law needs. Many of our clients, the overwhelming majority, are parents, and they have children, oftentimes with their traffickers, with their abusers, and sex buyers, unfortunately. And they have these custody battles over their children. They need restraining orders they're married to them and they need to divorce them. So we help them with all of these family law needs, which are very complicated. If you can imagine trying to divorce your trafficker and get custody yeah. of your children, oftentimes traffickers will continue to abuse our clients through the family law system and use their children um, as a form of coercion. Uh, so that's another thing that we do. And then um, we also have a whole lot of other legal needs that our clients have, whether there many of our clients are entrepreneurs, they wanna start their own businesses. We help them find pro bono lawyers and help them business formation, profit formation, um, you know, bankruptcy, trust in estates, personal injury, employment law, so many different areas of law that our clients need help with. And if it's not something that we do directly, we help them find a pro bono lawyer. And to your question, Barbara, of how do our clients find us? Uh, the answer is one, from other survivors, two, from people uh, in the criminal justice system. So prosecutors and public defenders both re refer clients to us law enforcement. Uh, we, we have a, a clinic that we operate at San Diego's Women's Jail, which is Las Colinas Detention Facility. And many of our clients find us uh, because that we have the program specifically with Las Colinas where the, actually the correctional counselors will refer survivors that they identify to So us. other than contributions to the nonprofit, is there any 
do you, do you get paid by anybody to do the work for these women? No, no, we, we, all of our funding is, is, um, through, you know, government grants and individual donors and foundations. So, so, so this is important paid, uh, from our cases. Great. So stay with me. So Barbara, let's ask her how people could send a check to free to thrive. <laughs> I mean, let's focus. Oh, We're, you know, it's about the money. <laughs> Show me the money. Yes, Neil. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Uh, you can literally send a check to Free to Thrive. Our, our website is freetothrive.org. Um, and you, our phone number is on there. You can call that phone number. We'll give you an address. You can donate online through our website. Um, but that's really, you know, the, the support of the community is what's enabled us to keep doing this work. When I, when I started, I said we had funding. We had one year of funding for my salary. And I said, I'm going to do it for a year. And I really hope this works out. And, and it was a risk. And now, you know, four years later, we have a staff of 13 people. We have a budget of a million dollars and we have helped over 200 human trafficking survivors. Wow. And I know in addition to your paid staff, you have volunteer attorneys who also help with the victims, right? So you, your do. impact is much greater. So could you give us an example of a success story, a woman who you've helped who has now able to lead a more normal life? It's hard to pick just one because our clients are so incredible, but just one story is we have a survivor who, um, you know, I first met pretty early on into starting Free to Thrive. And when I met her, she had open warrants in Orange and Los Angeles counties. She had been arrested in LA, San Diego, and Orange counties. So she had been arrested in three different counties during the time that she was being trafficked. And she was scared to leave San Diego because of these warrants. We helped her first uh, get rid of these warrants so that she could feel safe just you know, going about her life. Uh, then we helped her vacate in all three. And uh, you know, what, what this means in, in practice, you know, for somebody who hasn't ever experienced having a criminal record, you can't get a job, you can't get a place to live, you can't go back to school with a criminal record because everybody runs background checks. And with schools, they don't run background checks, but they do ask you if you have a criminal record during, on, in your application. And so this particular client, during the time that we were working with her, she got a new job, she moved across the country, and at every step of the way, she had to disclose her criminal record. And um, thanks to Free to Thrive, now she has a completely clean criminal record. If anybody runs a background check on her, nothing comes up. She just got a brand new job recently, and it was the first time since she was trafficked that she was able to go through that employment process and not have to explain her history. Well, that, that's a wonderful story. And I know that you've done that for many women. Um, how has COVID impacted your organization? <sighs> how much time do you have? <laughs> so it's, it's impacted our cause and it's impacted our clients. So in terms of our organization, you know, I said we have a million dollar budget. We cut uh, several hundred thousand dollars from our budget last year. Uh, we had planned to expand significantly in 2020 and actually had to scale back that. And, you know, my goal was just to keep our staff. We'd worked so hard to build up our staff that I didn't want to lose anybody, uh, especially because our client needs were growing uh, during this time. So fortunately, we were able to raise the funds we need to keep going. But it was, you know, of course, for any nonprofit, any business right now, it's really, really time, uh, you know, really hard. Uh, to, to raise the funds to do the work. So that was one piece. Another piece is it was a really difficult time for our clients. I mean, everybody is struggling globally. Our client population is a, a highly vulnerable population that was already living on the edge. Um, and many of them lost their jobs. Many of them were evicted from where they live. Uh, many of them really significant mental health uh, impacts because 
they struggle with PTSD and the isolation made everything worse. So we had clients that were uh, experiencing really regressive, uh, regressive things of, um, you know, relapsing to drugs and alcohol, engaging in criminal activity, going back to their traffickers because they were lonely, all kinds of things happening. And we supported them every step of the way. And we're also able to avoid a lot of those issues with our clients uh, during COVID by helping them and providing them the support they needed to not have that happen to them. So, so here's a big question that there may not be a short answer to, but please try. How could we end sex trafficking? <laughs> uh, I get that question a lot. And the reality is that sex trafficking is rooted in so many deep-seated problems in our society. It's rooted in um, poverty, racism, a broken foster system, childhood abuse, um, you know, and a lack of quality for LGBT individuals, homelessness. So we have to, honestly, to end human trafficking, it's not about prosecuting more traffickers. It's not helping more survivors. That just, that's like a game of whack-a-mole. Like there's always going to be more victims. There's always going to be more um, perpetrators. And there's always going to be more sex buyers, people creating a demand for, you know, for on the sex trafficking side, creating a demand for commercial sex. And on the labor trafficking side, a demand for exploited labor. So we have to address all of those societal problems, including misogyny and racism and homophobia wait, wait. in order to end well, human trafficking. One more question. Do the perpetrators ever end up in prison? Does the trafficker Definitely. They do. Not sometimes. Um, in our cases, more often than not, they don't. Uh, traffickers are very, very, they're these are skilled criminals and they're very good at protecting themselves. They have other people do their dirty work for them, meaning they don't leave a, a trail for law enforcement to follow. And oftentimes it's victims that caught up, get caught up with law enforcement, not perpetrators. But that doesn't mean they're not prosecuted. Our law enforcement is, is worked really, really hard to find and you know go after traffickers. But I would say more often than not, victims are prosecuted far more than traffickers. So last question, Jamie, is there any last thought you'd like to share with our listeners? I, would, I just want our listeners to, I wanna encourage them to learn more about this issue of human trafficking and how it impacts their community. Wherever you are, I guarantee your community is impacted. And I've only given you a tiny little taste of what this looks like and, and how people are impacted, but I encourage you to learn more and get involved and um, you know, join us. If, if you wanna learn more about this, join Free to Thrive. We have tons of trainings on our website. We have volunteer opportunities. If you're a lawyer, uh, you can donate your time as a pro bono attorney. And of course, you know, give to nonprofits like Free to Thrive to help fight this issue. Well, Jamie, thank you for joining us today. We really admire what you're doing uh, and we wish you uh, much continued success on growing your organization and helping more victims. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm Jamie Beck, President and Managing Attorney of Free to Thrive. And you're listening to I'm There For You, Baby, the Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. Barbara, this uh, session with Jamie Beck is amazing. And it's amazing for a couple reasons. One is the work she does is really powerful. And, and we, we don't really fully understand what goes on in sort of the underbelly of the community 
involving sex trafficking. But the even better part of the story is, here's a really talented woman, attorney, partner, track, big law firm, and says, that's not what I want to do with my life. So the whole story of, you think you know what you want, want to go to law school, want to change lives, and then you change to really become an advocate attorney to change lives. I mean, that's a powerful story. Yeah, and uh, you know, I love the way Jamie went about doing it. Uh, first, she volunteered as a pro bono attorney helping sex trafficking victims. So she learned about her customer. Uh, then when she decided she wanted to, to start her own organization, she talked to people all over the country to learn about best practices. She raised a year of funding before she quit her job. So she went about starting Free to Thrive in a very organized entrepreneurial way. Uh, even so, it was in many ways, as she said, uh, like jumping off a cliff. Uh, and we've watched her progress um, over the years. Uh, she is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and uh, you know, we both wish her much continued success. Uh, listeners, if you uh, have a suggestion for our show, please email us at info at I'mthereforyoubaby.com and tune in next week for another edition of I'm There For You Baby, The Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. Thank you for listening to I'm There For You Baby, presented by IVN. I'm There For You Baby is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city, presented by IVN. For the last 10 years, IVN has brought you over 10,000 articles from hundreds of independent-minded authors dedicated to a simple etiquette rather than an ideology. We're proud to be rated center by allsides.com and least biased by mediabiasfactcheck.org. It is that nonpartisan spirit that is at the core of our journalistic mission. Today, we introduce you to a new era at IVN. We're handing over the mic, so to speak, to our independent contributors to develop their own shows, their own voice, and their own brand. In short, IVN is providing a programming platform for organizations, experts, and talented journalists to share news, information, and commentary with readers and listeners who think for themselves. We hope you find a few shows that you like. We hope you connect directly with our contributors. And as always, we hope you continue to think for yourself.